Automotive Sales Company – Accelerating Sustainable Mobility for All Dear audience, my name is Ludmila Der. I'm the Managing Director of Elite Experts Conferences and I would like to welcome you to the next episode of the Elite Experts Conferences podcast. Whether at live events or in the digital world, we bring together cool promising tech startups with exciting innovative global players and generate a platform where the world of sustainable technology meets. Get to know the different companies, but also the inspiring leader personalities behind these brand names. Our motto is towards a better and cleaner future through knowledge transfer and technology. Our guest today is Jan Van Song, the CEO of automotive sales company or short ACC. Even though ACC is brand new in the automotive industry, the same cannot be said of Jan Van Song. Jan, you bring an immense amount of experience with you. From your studies, you actually have an engineering background. Later, you added an MBA. Seeing your impressive CV, one can tell immediately that the positions in higher management are very much to your taste. You started your career at Renault in various positions, most recently as Director of Quality. This was followed by positions at Aftervas, Alstom Transport and PSA Group. At PSA, you worked for five years as Industrial Director and Member of the Board. And today, I would like to welcome you in the position as CEO of ACC which you have been holding for a bit more than two months. Since ACC is so brand new, I will briefly explain the background of this company for our audience. We can say that ACC is one of Europe's newest high-tech companies. Backed by Saft Total and Group PSA Opel, ACC's goal is to power the future of the automotive industry by innovating in battery technology. The ACC aimed to produce sustainable, affordable, high-capacity and longer-life batteries. An R&D center, new state-of-the-art facility in France and gigafactories in France and in Germany will be built. These are the plans and the goals. We have to admit great ambitious goals. How the practical way to get there looks like and what kind of leadership qualities are needed for this task, we will find out in the process of our interview. By the way, for all those who are looking for new professional challenges, now is the time to pay special attention, because ACC is currently hiring. Let's start chronologically. The joint venture was announced in January 2020. In September 2020, Automotive Sales Company was officially founded. Looking back, when and how was this idea born? Well, actually, Total Company and PSA Group started to discuss, let's say, roughly two years ago. The two companies understood at that time that uh, ahead of them was uh, an energy transition uh, with significant impacts, both on the automotive industry, pushing for more and more electrified cars, but as well on the energy transition of Total, moving to renewable energy, implying to store this energy. So both companies at that time understood that uh, it was likely that in the next years, the demand for performance batteries will grow significantly. And that was basically the strategic intent of, uh, of ACC. Uh, being able to deliver performance batteries, acknowledging that the demand for those batteries was, was deemed to grow, uh, both for storage of energy, uh, but for automotive as well. And now looking again at ACC, what is the future vision behind ACC? Well, future vision, it's, uh, I'd say it's pretty simple. If you consider the, the current situation, Uh, where the market for electrified cars is not that big for the time being. All the batteries, all the batteries are supplied by Asian suppliers. All of them. They all produce in uh, China, uh, in Korea, in Japan, and only few of them are produced outside of Asia. Uh, I, would, I would mention only uh, LG in Poland, Uh, which, is, uh, which is ramping up. When we consider that the automotive market for electrified cars is 
deemed to grow significantly. I would say is even obliged to grow significantly to cope with the CO2 regulation. Then you come very quickly to the, to the conclusion that we can't rely anymore only on supply from Asia. We need to have a supply base closer to the consumption points in Europe, closer to the, to the, to the manufacturing facilities of the OEM uh, in Europe. That's the first point. So we, we, want to, we want to be able to deliver to European manufacturers more and more batteries. That's the first part of the vision. Second part of the vision, it's clearly that everybody has understood that a, an electrified car is better from an environment point of view for the, for the citizens. Uh, you have no CO2 emission, etc. The trick is that, at least for the time being, the cost of an electrified car uh, is significantly more, uh, uh, more expensive than the one of a classical term, uh, ICE car. And within that cost, the cost of the battery is itself very important, meaning that we need absolutely to reduce the cost of the electrified car to make it affordable for most of the citizens uh, in Europe. And it, it does imply reducing significantly, uh, significantly the cost of, uh, of the batteries. So therefore, we translate uh, this uh, into the vision of ACC, which is clearly we want to become the leader, the European leader of production of cells and modules to allow an affordable access to green mobility. We want this mobility becoming affordable uh, for the vast majority of the people and not only for happy few who might buy a Tesla. Sounds already like a model. Accelerating sustainable mobility for all. Exactly, that's our motto. After the established structures of your previous position at PSA Group, as industrial director and member of the board, you moved to this position as CEO of ACC, this newly formed joint venture between Group PSA and Total. Should one now think of this as a kind of a startup company? Or is it more like setting up the same structures like in a long-established company? Yeah, I mean, clearly our way of thinking is that we are a startup. We are a startup, even though compared to, to other startups, we are starting with a lot of money because you know that we are on one hand supported by all shareholders. They've committed to inject up to uh, 1.5 billion euro in equity of the company, not immediately, but uh, along the years based on the investment we'll have to, uh, to realize. And it's as well supported by the, uh, by the, the German and the French states, uh, which have committed to uh, subsidize ACC up to slightly less than 1.3 billion euro. So it's clear that known startup is starting with such promises of funding, which is a good news. And at the same time, highly challenging because uh, I mean, there, there is no, no such money given uh, if, uh, if our donors aren't expecting uh, high results. But having said that, we are a small company. For the time being, we are only 100. We'll be, let's say, 250 end of next year. And clearly, we, we don't want to be bureaucratic. We don't, we don't want to be heavy. We want to be very agile, very agile. And, and clearly, we consider ourselves as a startup. We need to be fast. And finally, a point which is very important is that whereas we have a roadmap which is very clear, whereas we have ambitions which are very clear and, 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 and significant, at the same time, we need to acknowledge that our competitors are existing for years. Our Asian competitors are uh, engineering and manufacturing uh, batteries for years. So we need really to speed up. And to speed up, we need to be very agile, very determined, very focused. And well, that's the kind of behavior we might find in a startup. So we're not, we're a startup. 
And how do you want to manage to promote innovation and increase the speed of internal processes? I mean, you have this kind of heritage from the corporate world and, okay, funding is the positive factor, but still, how can you balance it? Well, first of all, I, I would say that clearly innovation is an absolute must for ACC. We won't catch up our Asian competitors if we don't innovate. Clearly, we need to bring as quickly as possible and more quickly than themselves new definition of cells in order to hope to overcome them. Otherwise, otherwise we, we, we will, lag, we will uh, uh, lag behind them. And, and that's not uh, our, our wish. So we'll be, we'll be highly digital to foster the innovation. But uh, not only to foster the innovation, but uh, to attract young talents. It's, uh, it's absolutely paramount to be able to, 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 to attract not only people from all shareholders. At the beginning, it's normal. They broke, particularly the people coming from SAFT, uh, are bringing the knowledge of the, of the batteries, of the product itself. But we want, and we've started to recruit people uh, from, uh, from outside, And because, because we need to rely on skills to, to, to innovate and will be highly digital, highly agile, precisely to make their professional life something uh, appreciable, something they will find fun too. And that's the way we, we, we do hope we'll be able to innovate. I hope so too for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lenny. It was said also initially that it would be a 50-50 joint venture mainly for pilot production. And now I quote, during the commercial production phase, Saft's share in ACC will drop to 33%. This is a bit confusing. Could you please explain that more precisely? Well, it's very simple. ACC will produce mostly for the automotive industry. Uh, the shareholders agreement does allow us to sell maximum 10% of our capacity outside of the automotive industry. So clearly, the vast majority of, uh, of all turnover will be made in the automotive industry. Whereas Total Soft understood that at the beginning, it was necessary to support uh, these creation of this joint venture uh, to bring skills from Soft transferred to, to, to ACC. They acknowledge as well the fact that more and more LCC, ACC will become a, an automotive supplier. And from that perspective, it's not abnormal that the share of uh, SAFT does reduce over time. It's not, it's not abnormal. You mentioned it already. What is quite different from a startup is the financing of ACC. Uh, the project is supported by the governments of Germany and France with a total of, uh, as you mentioned, 1.3 billion euros. This was announced by PSA. In total, investment of more than 5 billion euros are planned. That sounds like a good start regarding the existing funding. Well, anyway, there are no ambitious goals without challenges along the way. What are the challenges for ACC? Yeah, I mean, the, the challenges are huge. Starting point is that, as I've said earlier, the, the, the demand for batteries is deemed to grow. I mean, that's, that's the most likely. Why is it so? Well, for a very simple reason. You know that regulation has been enforced in uh, most of the European countries on CO2 emission. Uh, year after year, the average value of CO2 emitted by the cars which have been registered during the year has to decrease. And to achieve the, the numbers which are, which are pretty tough, you can't rely only on ICE cars. If you don't have electrified cars, you're dead. You have to pay huge penalties regardless of the impact on the, on the, on the brand image. So year after year, the share of the electrified cars is deemed to grow. Uh, we consider that in 2025, the OEM, the European OEM, should have to register something like 30% of the total market in electrified cars. 
it implies a huge demand for for batteries and and so far the demand is by far exceeding the existing capacity so it means that the the first challenge for for ACC is really to to set up its its manufacturing facilities as quickly as possible in order to be able to to deliver our 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 customers and the second point as i've said is the cost of the battery it is a major hurdle to overcome for the OEM if if the cost of a if the selling price of a, of an electrical car is not significantly reduced then it will be a limitation to the to the growth of those sales whereas at the same time they need them they need those sales to counterbalance in terms of co2 the 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 bad impact of the ICE cars so uh, it's clear that for the for the OEM reducing the cost of the of the electrical car is paramount and to do so they need to reduce the the cost of the battery so we have very, very we i mean uh, for the time being we have one customer uh, which is PSA and uh, and we are obviously looking for other customers but the demand from those from from uh, from PSA is clearly we want to have a, a battery at the highest level of performance density of energy uh, uh, quality uh, and cost as well so uh, very ambitious challenges yes Sounds definitely ambitious, and it's actually good. The industry can need it. It was also communicated that two large factories are to be built in Douvres, France. Please forgive my probably wrong pronunciation in French. And in Kaiserslautern in Germany. According to earlier information from Opel head Michael Lohscheller, 2,000 jobs will be created in Kaiserslautern. How is the situation in France? How many new jobs are planned to be created there? Well, Ludmila, this question of uh, of uh, headcount is a uh, is a sensitive uh, is a sensitive topic, and and I, I really want to be honest with you. My goal is having a sustainable company, profitable company, and I do believe that any company. It's true for ACC. It's true for all the companies. The best way or and even the only way to be sustainable is to be profitable. That's the only way. Anything else is demagogy. Anything else is demagogy. And to be profitable, let's say that I will really, well, obviously we have to, to be very good in terms of innovation, in terms of R&D, etc. But once we are good at those in those fields, there is a, an absolute need to reduce as much as possible the investment. And contrary to what's generally uh, sought by some people, the less you invest, the better off you are. Because whenever, whenever you are investing, you are creating a burden uh, to the company. And well, I mean, uh, the heavier the burden, the more difficult it will be for the company to, uh, to, to, to be profitable. So that's one I want to try, obviously meeting all the technical specifications we need, but I want to try to invest uh, as few as possible, as few as possible. And that's the same thing for the headcount. That's the same thing for the headcount. When we, when we do recruit somebody, clearly in my mind, we recruit somebody for the rest of his professional life. And we don't want to recruit him and to fire him two years later because we are overstaffed. In a nutshell, we'll be very cautious concerning the recruitment. So it's clear that we'll need to recruit, that's, that's for sure, both in Douvrain, in Kaiserslautern, in our R&D center, in Nersac. But uh, I'm not shooting for the biggest number. I'm not shooting for the biggest number. That's my point. But for the most sustainable, which means also for the most profitable number. Exactly, exactly. Let me uh, follow up on what you said before about the dominance of the um, Asian manufacturer of batteries. Is then the most important strategic reason for the foundation of ACC that OEMs in Europe want to become more independent from battery manufacturers in Asia as they could otherwise dictate the prices. Is this the real driving force? Can we sum up it in this way? 
I mean, uh, uh, I'll say that uh, in 2025, we are forecasting uh, 30% of the total market uh, for electrified cars. Uh, meaning that if there is no change in the size of the market, which is currently 17 million cars in Europe, we'll have 5 million cars, 5 million electrified cars in 2025. Could we imagine that for 5 million cars, we keep on relying on the sourcing from Asia, which is uh, 10,000 kilometers away, uh, for a such critical component, for such an EV component? I mean, a, 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 a battery pack for a car, it is 400, 500 kilograms. So can we imagine that for so many cars, such an EV product, we keep on relying on a sourcing uh, base in Asia. So that's the first point. The second point is clearly all the OEM for such a critical product, they will try to diverse, diversify the, the, the sourcing. Relying only on an area of the, of the world for this sourcing uh, will be highly dangerous. So yes, to a large extent, it is a driving force. Thank you for your honesty and for the good explanation. Back in January, the starting signal was given for a battery cell pilot production facility in southwest of France. Now it's November and it's, as we all know, a very special year due to the pandemic. Are you satisfied with the start of the project and with what has been achieved so far? Well, so far, we've started to build our R&D center in, uh, in Bordeaux. It will be up and running mid of next year. We'll have in this R&D center all the testing labs to test the, to test the, uh, the cells. Uh, we'll have a small prototype line allowing us to produce, uh, to produce cells. And we'll have the R&D offices. Second, we have started to, to build uh, indeed our uh, prototype plant in Nersac. It is a significant investment. It is a 100 million euro investment. So it's not a small plant. It's not, we, we, we name it a prototype plant but, or a testing plant, but actually it's not, it's not a small plant. The building will be finished, at least the, the, uh, the outside structure of the building will be finished end of this year, end of this year. So you, we're moving forward uh, pretty well. Having said that, it's clear that the pandemic has not helped. We could have been quicker. We could have uh, created ourselves some degrees of freedom if we, have not, if we had not suffered from the, from the pandemic. So it's moving forward in the right direction. It's, uh, uh, it's okay, but we don't have slack. Coming back to what you said um, before about uh, PSA as the, at least for now, only one client, And you recently said also in an interview that PSA will only buy from ACC if the cells produced are priced correctly and are competitive in terms of performance. And regarding the timing, it can be said that the battery cells will only be available in initially limited quantities from the end of 2023 or the beginning of 2024. Competitive price and good performance. These are the real challenges. How will you tackle them? Where do you start there? Do you go fully into the innovation or what, what is the starting point? Well, I mean, the, the, the first point, which is very clear, is that no OEM, including our shareholder, including PSA, will buy from us if we're not competitive. I know that's the rule of the game and I know it perfectly. Then, prior to the closing of the, of the company, which did happen uh, beginning of August, there were two years, almost two years, one year and a half, almost well, between one year and a half and two years of discussion between the two shareholders, between SafTotal and PSA, to prepare uh, the uh, start of this company. Uh, and during those, during those years, beyond the, the financial discussion, etc., etc., A lot of activities was performed by uh, the two companies on which cells are we going to, uh, to launch initially. 
Uh, and so innovation was performed to some extent before uh, the closing of the company. And so now uh, we are in the execution phase. We, we, we have already started to test the first cells, which will be delivered uh, afterwards to, uh, to PSA. Uh, so I do believe that from a technical definition of the battery cells, we are at the good level. Then the, the, the question for us is to execute, to build the prototype line, the prototype plant, and then to, to build the, uh, the gigafactory in Douvrin and so on. But technically, we do have the, the, the appropriate definition. I do believe at least. Fantastic planning to start before the project actually starts. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's not abnormal. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, this battery industry is uh, highly capital intensive highly capital intensive. Uh, the cost of one single gigafactory, eight gigawatt hours, is between 500 and 600 million euros. Our plan, within our plant, we are supposed to build six of them uh, till 2030. Uh, it's a huge amount of money. And that's the reason why both TotalSoft and PSA have taken time. I've taken time to assess how we should that once we'll put this money, this amount of money in the company, we'll get the, the, the appropriate return. And the question of the, of the competitiveness of what we are going to, to, to produce is obviously paramount. So that's the reason why the roadmap has been, well, I, I won't say that it was 100% defined prior to closing, but it was uh, uh, not that far from the 100%. So because, because it's a huge amount of money to be poured in. And huge responsibility, but we will come to that. It has also been announced in the media that ACC would also supply other OEMs with battery cells. Was this already taken into account in the capacity figures for the plant plants reported by the media? Are you already planning with this increased demand? Yeah, I mean, it's clear that we are feeling our capacity, the capacity of the first two blocks with the PSA uh, supply contract. Beyond, for the, for the next four, we'll, we, 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 need to, we need to sell to other, uh, to other OEM. So uh, it's clear that uh, to, grow, uh, the, well, I mean, to grow the supply, we rely on a forecast of a growing demand And, uh, and on the fact that some of these uh, demand will be awarded to ACC. Do you consider also to be supplier for commercial vehicles in the future? Like commercial vehicle, yes. According to the PSA group, there's also a plan to bundle the ACC cells into batteries with a capacity of 60 to 100 kilowatt hour, which should enable ranges of between 400 and 650 kilometers. What chemistry do you focus on, at least for the beginning? We're going to focus on, the, on two different chemistries, one for high-range cars, another one for low-range cars. High-range cars uh, will be uh, nickel, manganese, cobalt, uh, with a share of cobalt which should be less than 10%, and a share of nickel which should be uh, higher than 80%. That's one, and that's the chemistry definition which does allow Uh, the highest density of energy and hence the highest autonomy for the, for the cars. We are as well considering the so-called LFP chemistry, so lithium and uh, uh, iron phosphate, which is much cheaper, or significantly cheaper, but whose energy density is as well lower. We are observing that the market is... Uh, moving in two directions. So there is a segmentation of the market, high range, low range. Low range might suit to customers uh, who are utilizing their cars only inside the cities and we don't need a, a high range, a high autonomy, or people who are more constrained from a money point of view. So We see the two, these two, uh, this segmentation and uh, another reason why we are considering those two uh, chemistries. Very logical segmentation, actually. 
but this was said from the present point of view. And now let's take a look, a visionary look into the future of battery production. What should the batteries of tomorrow look like? Or the day after tomorrow, even better? Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know if, it, if it's going to be for tomorrow or the day after tomorrow, but every battery manufacturer is performing R&D activities on the, the so-called solid-state uh, battery. One of the one of the drawback of the existing batteries is the fact that the electrolyte liquid is creating a safety a safety risk. If you have a leak of uh, this electrolyte for any reason, you are almost sure to have a, a fire. Uh, and, and, and therefore destruction of the car, uh, notwithstanding the impact on the people, etc., etc. So, and, and uh, that's, uh, that's something which would be fixed uh, with the solid-state uh, solid battery. So the, the, the electrolyte uh, will get solid, and you won't have any more issue of safety. You'll be able to grow Uh, still more the, the 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 energy density of your battery. Uh, the the major difficulty, and that's the reason why, uh, so far, known known battery producer is uh, is bringing this definition to the market is the fact that uh, a solid electrolyte is much more difficult to master in terms of uh, electrical conductivity as opposed to the to the liquid uh, electrolyte. But uh, we do believe that some. Some days before 2030, uh, we'll be able to produce these uh, uh, solid-state batteries. That is part of our uh, product roadmap, and I think it's a it's a significant breakthrough, because beyond beyond the impact on the safety, it has as well significant impact on the manufacturing process. You 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 need to you need to invest less. So it's a I mean a, we do believe that it's a. Uh, it, it is a battery of tomorrow, this one. Would be also a bit more sustainable. Talking about batteries and battery raw materials, control and transparency are also extremely important. How do you at ACC see this issue of ethical and social responsibility and how do you put the theoretical plans into practice? What is ACC's path to sustainability, so to speak? Well, I mean, it's uh, it's obviously a, a, a very important question, and uh, even though we won't buy our materials directly from the mines, uh, we will buy uh, we will buy our materials from chemical companies such as Umicor, Solvay, or uh, BASF, or XTC in China, or Capsham, etc. So, even though we will buy from chemical companies, nevertheless. Uh, we want to give guarantees to all customers on the origin of uh, of, uh, of our materials, and we don't want we don't want to utilize cobalt from uh, artisanal mines in uh, in Congo. We don't want to uh, we don't want to utilize nickel uh, from uh, mines which are uh, utilizing deep sea uh, tailings. We don't want to utilize uh, lithium from salars, which are creating uh, 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 hydraulic stress, which is the case for such such mines in uh, in Chile. And more globally, we don't want we don't want to utilize conflict materials. To guarantee this to all customers, what we absolutely need is a full traceability, starting from the mines. And we've started to discuss with. Uh, Uh, with the chemical companies, generally they completely understand the need. So we are going to trace the origin of the materials from the mines till our factories in order to be sure that we don't utilize this type of, uh, of materials. And it's indeed paramount. It's really indeed paramount. We want to be truly environmental and socially friendly. Uh, we consider that it's Uh, it's really of utmost importance. We we can't pretend uh, being green and clean uh, because we are producing batteries if all supply chain is not green and clean, is not uh, socially responsible. So 
uh, we are we we've started to discuss with the uh, with the suppliers, and that's something which will be very important in our supply chain. Very honorable. Actually, let's go further into the topic of sustainability. Let's talk about battery recycling. Is this also a part of the plan at ACC? And if so, how will you approach the topic of recycling? No, it's it's not. It's not at least for the for the time being. Maybe at some point of time we we will change. But we 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 do consider that the ones which are the the best place to uh, recycle are the chemical companies, meaning that they will get back and and some of them have already started to to. Uh, Uh, to do so, they receive the batteries and they uh, recycle uh, into the flow of the materials they deliver to the uh, battery manufacturers. So that's that's the way uh, we see the situation. Maybe in some years' time from now, we will consider that, uh, that differently. But uh, you have to know that for the time being, the quantity of batteries to be recycled is is not that big. It's not that big simply because because the the the, the market of an electrified car is a small one for for the time being, and that the battery is deemed to to last five, eight years on a car and then uh, uh, seven to eight years uh, in the storage of energy. So before thinking of recycling a battery which has been produced today, you need to wait fifteen years. So uh, there is. Having said that, having said that, even though we're not considering recycling on our own, uh, we are designing to recycle, and we are targeting that more than 95% of the materials uh, of all cells will be recyclable. That's uh, that's our target in terms of design. So making the life of the ones who will, which will recycle, easier. Does it mean actually that you work also with uh, recycling companies? We work with the with the chemical companies. Yeah. Let me ask you a more um, global question. Let's say about electrification trend because it's now it's gaining momentum. This is also supported by the bans announced by governments, and now everyone is working on it on the electricity grid, on the car themselves, on the batteries, on the charging infrastructure. Actually, we can go on and on. What do you think needs to be done to make the switch to electric cars as seamless as possible? What is your opinion on that? Well, I do believe that viewed from the customer, there are two hurdles to overcome. The first one is the infrastructure. Because when you are uh, buying an electrical car, you want to be sure that it will be possible to recharge your car easily, that you won't have autonomy issues uh, when going uh, wherever you want. And honestly, it's not the case for the time being. For the time being, the infrastructure is not at the appropriate level. And, and, and it does explain the fact that some people are reluctant to buy, to buy such a car because they're afraid they might not, be, uh, they might not recharge their car uh, easily. So that's the first hurdle, and 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 clearly, uh, it will rely on the public policy to fix uh, to fix that issue. Second point, which I've already mentioned, is the cost of the car. You you you've observed that all the OEM they do have within the portfolio of cars, electrified cars now, on. Uh, either a full electrical car or plug-in hybrid uh, uh, cars. So there is no technical difficulty for the OEM to produce such cars. They know, all of them know, and not only Tesla, <laughs> all of them know. But the real hurdle to overcome is to be able to bring the cost of those electrical cars to a similar value as for a uh, ICE car. And, and, and for me, that's the second biggest challenge. Second biggest challenge. I do believe that the citizens, they, they'll be ready to, to switch to electric cars, provided they are, they feel secure on the question of the recharge of the autonomy, etc. And they feel secure. Well, they, 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 they get the impression that they pay an amount which is similar to the one of the IC. 
So those are, for me, the two, the two key success factors of the electrical cars. Actually, you mentioned this segmentation of the market, so smaller batteries, lower range, and so on. So it goes already in the right direction. Actually, now let's come back again to the building structures and hiring. And you're actually currently hiring. Can you tell us also in which area exactly you are hiring people with uh, what kind of knowledge background should apply for a job at ACC? Yeah, sure. We we are we are indeed uh, uh, recruiting and uh, For the ones who are hearing these conversation, don't hesitate to go on our website or to write to recruitment at uh, accemotion.com uh, for applying. Whom are we looking for? R&D people. R&D people, you know that we've started to transfer people from uh, SAFT to, the, to ACC. But we need to go much beyond. And, and SAFT is highly knowledgeable about battery, highly skilled, but it's not a big company. And uh, uh, they can't transfer uh, all the staff to ACC. Uh, we can easily understand that. So uh, we're looking for uh, people, uh, electrochemical engineers, uh, capable to innovate, Uh, and uh, join, uh, join ACC. At the same time, we are looking as well for people for industrialization. As I've said as well earlier, initially we are relying on people coming from, from, uh, from PSA, but we, we need as well recruiting people from outside. The process of producing a battery is completely different from, a, uh, from an automotive factory. So we, we, we need to find uh, industrialization engineers To join us. Now we are making the transition from technical and strategic topics to leadership and self-development. When interviewing top personalities, it would be a serious mistake not to ask them for their tips and tricks, what made them what they are today. After all, they're not just managers, leaders, they're first and foremost humans. And so all our guests also answer a few personal questions. This makes our guests vivid, real and authentic. So let's start with that. Jan, what was your best lesson in leadership? What event or mentor perhaps has shaped you the most? Well, um, actually, I've spent uh, most of my career uh, working in the automotive industry. Uh, I've spent uh, 27 years working for Renault. Uh, I've spent uh, six years, the last six years, uh, working for PSA. And meanwhile, between uh, Renault and PSA, I've spent five years working for uh, Alstom Rolling Stock. I had the chance of meeting and working with the two Carlos. So Carlos Ghosn, uh, when he joined, uh, when he joined uh, Renault, and as well when he came back from Nissan, He promoted me as a head of the quality within, uh, within Renault Group. And, and, and Carlos Tavares, uh, who is the CEO of, uh, of uh, PSA, and whom I know for uh, 40 years. We joined, uh, actually, we joined Renault uh, almost the same months and uh, almost in the same engineering division. So we know, we know each other for a, for a long time. And the two Carlos, I don't know if, it's, uh, if it has something to do with the... With the, with the first name. Uh, but the two Carlos are aware, maybe for Carlos Ghosn, are outstanding managers. They are, they are both outstanding managers. W one has maybe made some mistakes uh, recently. I don't know. I don't know, uh, honestly. But uh, I've, worked, uh, uh, I've worked extensively with both of them and uh, And really, I've learned a lot from, uh, uh, from the two of them. And I mean, what's interesting for, for me that many of the things I've, heard, I've learned from uh, Carlos Ghosn have been learned as well by Carlos Tavares when he was working uh, within Renault, when he was working uh, with Carlos Ghosn. And, and I mean, some lessons. First one is set yourself very demanding targets that the best way to respect yourself. If you, if you set yourself 
targets which are easy to, 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 to meet, you're not respecting yourself. So that's, I think it's, a, it's something which, is, which might be tough sometimes because uh, having always uh, uh, very demanding targets is uh, sometimes tiring, sometimes too tough. Uh, but it's uh, it's highly respectful of the of the of the people. The the second point, and uh, <laughs> I've heard it uh, many many times. Strategy is five percent, execution is ninety five percent. Meaning that writing down powerpoints on strategy, I mean it's easy. It's easy, and particularly I would say for French people. French people they do they do like. Strategies they do like to be very conceptual, etc. But then, what matters is how you execute your plan, and that is where a lot of companies are failing. I mean, the, when you look, for instance, at the at the at the plan of PSA in uh, 2014, push uh, back in the race plan. So at that time. Uh, in 2013, the company was almost bankrupt. So we set up a plan named Back in the Race. And honestly, the content of the plan itself was not outstanding. It was not the revolution. It was something which was smart, but it was not something uh, uh, nobody else could have thought of. It was highly successful. And it was highly successful because we took extensively care to the execution. And, and that is what makes the difference. Finally, the growth is the reward of a well-done job and not the other way around. Sometimes people do believe that we need absolutely to grow in order to be able to deliver good performance. It has to be the, the opposite way around. You deliver good performance, whichever the, 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 the volume. And because you are delivering good performance, then the volume is deemed to grow. That is the way it works. So that's, uh, those are my, uh, my best lessons. I will take some with them with me, actually. Can I okay. ask an ad additional question to the first part? Because you said, set yourself goals which are demanding, which are ambitious, Do you apply this for you only or also for you people? Uh, both. Both. Starts, it starts with myself, uh, obviously, but, I, but it's true as well for the team. It's true. I mean, uh, you know, when you set a budget, I know all the, all the games which can exist within a company around the budgets. Because your compensation package is based on the, on the budget achievement, uh, some people might tend to say, well, I want to set the budget at a low level in order to be sure to meet, uh, to meet the objectives and then to, to, to get my reward. You know, I prefer to set a tough budget, maybe to miss slightly the budget, And nevertheless, to reward the people than setting a, a, a low budget, bidding it, but not being satisfied when comparing with the, with the environment, with the benchmarks. So that, I, I think setting demanding targets for the, uh, for the team is of uh, utmost importance. But they need to understand that if they fail, if they miss the target, it might not be a disaster might not be a disaster. One more time, uh, I prefer them missing, uh, missing a, a very ambitious target than meeting easily a complacent target. Quite insightful, actually. And looking at your CV and at your professional path, it's also clear that you had a lot of successes. But now <laughs> it's easy to talk about successes, right? Let's talk about failures. Which obstacles or failures have strongly influenced you personally? I would say that the, the I don't know if it's a failure, but I think it's something, something I'm not happy with is the time I've spent in, uh, in Russia. So I, I, I've been very happy with my family in Russia from a private point of view, 
They were living in Moscow. Uh, they had a very nice life. On a professional life uh, point of view, was very difficult. Uh, so I spent one and a half year as a chief of, of operation of, uh, of Aftovaz. So Renault has uh, had taken a share of uh, 25% in, uh, in Aftovaz and was in uh, 2008. And at that time, Aftovaz was really in a very bad shape. Beginning of 2009, there was the worldwide economic crisis. So it did hit a company which was already ailing, which was already in a very bad shape. So it, hit, it did it as well. Renault, who at that time was uh, uh, suborning after us. And, and, and life uh, became very, very difficult from a professional point of view. We had no money. Uh, we had known support. And when I joined after us, I was thinking, well, um, I'm going to do within Aftovaz similarly to Gone in Nissan. Although he didn't ask me that, when he sent me to, to Aftovaz, that was not his request, but that was the personal pressure I put on my shoulders. Uh, and, and obviously, it didn't, it didn't go as quickly as, as, as I uh, was hoping, by far, by far. And so what I, what I learned is that uh, clearly maybe I was too proud too proud to accept uh, not to not to be as successful as Gone. Gone did succeed in uh, in Nissan in one year. After one year in Aftovaz, well, I mean, almost nothing has uh, had moved forward. Maybe I was too impatient. Uh, so that's uh, that's what I learned about me. So, um, how would you handle something like that in the future? I mean, a lot of years pass by. You're wiser now. So how would you handle this? I think I'm wiser, yes. Yes, I think I'm wiser. It's very important to understand uh, when, you, when you're joining a company, when, you, when you're sizing a challenge, very important to, to get a, an in-depth understanding of uh, what are, the, what are the, the, the objectives of the different stakeholders? What are they looking for? What are they demanding from you? Not... To define those uh, those objectives by yourself, which which is what I did actually. I one more time I put on my shoulders uh, uh, very strong uh, very strong pressure, and and I remember uh, when I left Renault at that time. So I met uh, I met Carlos Godin uh, just before leaving, and uh, and and he told me, but uh, that was not my request. That was not my request, <laughs> and I told him, well, yes, that was not your request, but. Uh, That was my own, uh, my own objective. And uh, wow. Let's talk now about learning something new. Actually, I mean, work would be boring if we didn't have the chance to learn something new more or less every day. But in your case, after so many years in the automotive industry, with so much experience in higher management, in which areas do you still learn? What has been striking for me during the last... Uh, let's say, uh, five years spent uh, within PSA, is that a big company can learn a lot from small startups companies. And that is completely different from the situation which was prevailing years ago. Years ago, uh, we considered that the only ones which uh, were able to innovate Uh, to, to, to bring to the market uh, uh, new solutions were big companies. Uh, we considered that economies of scale in terms of uh, development, in terms of innovation, were uh, prevailing. That's no more the case. No more the case. The big, the big companies, they can learn a lot from small companies. And while that's what's fascinating, I've, I've met when I was heading the manufacturing and supply chain of PSA, a lot of small companies, very small companies with, with very bright ideas. And it's, it's really refreshing. It's really refreshing. And that's where, that's where I have to, something to learn. That's where I have something to learn. Actually, is it also why you like to say 
ACC is a startup and it will stay in the startup stage as long as it's needed. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let's sum up now what, what you talked before, all the challenges you have. You had already immense level of responsibility in your previous jobs. And now you become the CEO of ACC. And as we said before, the expectations are really, really high. What are your methods of dealing with the stress and this growing pressure? What would you recommend? I'm not sure it, it's wise what I'm going to say, but uh, two points. Uh, the first one is that getting older, getting more experience over time, I've learned to disconnect myself as a human being from the professional being. The pressure is on the professional being. It's not on the human being. And that's something which is, which is very important to, to, to realize. When, when you are not achieving objectives which have been set to you by, uh, by your bosses, by your shareholders, by your etc., you might think, well, it's a shame for me. I'm not good. I'm nil. It's a mistake to think that way. You've, you've not been successful as professional being for any set of reason. It's not, uh, uh, it's not a, something which should hit you as a human being. And I think it's, a, it's, it's important, or as a private person. I think it's, uh, it's important to be able to disconnect uh, the, two, the two situations. Second one, I'm, I'm running, I'm jogging, actually. I used to run, and now it's more, it's more jogging. It's a way to, to, well, it's a way to get rid of the, of the stress. <laughs> There's actually an additional question which I want to ask because uh, you said you, you disconnect the professional human being and the, the person, let's say, the, the, the private yeah. person. What is success for the private Jan Manso? Well, I would say, I, I don't know if it's my success or the success of my wife. I, I would say it's more the success of my wife. But uh, we have, uh, we have uh, three children. Uh, they're all, they, they, they all uh, adults. Uh, they are married or uh, uh, living with a, with a partner. And uh, the three of them, They are very happy to come back to us for holidays. For and I mean, it's for me. It means that we've been able to educate them properly because they have they have the three of them. They have a good job, and at the same time, they're not uh, rejecting their 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 parents. I would say conversely, they are very happy to come for Christmas uh, during the holidays. Uh, Uh, so I think it's a it's it's a success. It's a success. We are quite happy with uh, with our children, but I think my wife took more time with the, with them than uh, than I did personally. But, I, but maybe uh, I'm a small part of this success. Anyway, it's a success. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, do you have also an inspiring life model that accompanies you through your life? Or is there any advice in your life that was formative for you? Is there something you would like to share with us? Well, I would say that the, the, the way I've always behaved as manager is I trust people. I trust people. I consider that leading people is, first of all, explaining them the sense, explaining them where you want to go in the, in the long term and simultaneously uh, raise their energy. And what I'm convinced of is that once you've understood where your boss wants you to go and once you are full of energy, you find your path by yourself. You express your talent you, and you give that way uh, to the company. I'm completely opposed to uh, managing uh, by defining very precisely everything. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think it's the right way. One say that, and that's my motto. I trust the people. I trust the people. It's clear that at the same time, I'm controlling as well. So it's not because I trust that I don't control. And 
I mean, it's clear that if I if I come to the conclusion that my trust has not been well placed, then I have a major issue with the people. But uh, first of all, I trust the people. Trust is so essential in all areas. It is the very base of all interpersonal relationships. And again, we end our podcast on such an inspiring note. Thank you, Jan, for this great interview, for the fact that we were able to address such a hot topic with you in the Edit Experts Conferences podcast. Thanks also for the very sincere, not at all political answers. I really appreciate having a personality in the interview who calls things by their name. Also, your attitude towards startups is just fantastic. Of course, I totally agree with you. That's why we bring promising tech startups together with global players to accelerate innovation and to achieve a better and cleaner future much faster. All the best for achieving ACC's ambitions and, of course, all the best for your very personal path. It was an honor to have you here. Thanks a lot, uh, Ludmila, for this, uh, for this conversation. I, I appreciate very much your, your, your questions, which... Uh, from my point of view, are very relevant. I mean, I believe that with ACC, we are not only a major player for the energy transition, which is one of the major concerns for the, uh, for the humanity uh, nowadays. And we do, I do believe that ACC is one of the major players for this uh, transition. And second... I'm really proud that ACC will contribute to reindustrialize to some extent Europe with a high technology industry. Being able to supply high technology products from Europe instead of only from Asia, for me, it's rewarding. So thanks a lot for this interview. There are many ways to achieve a more sustainable future. There are many companies and innovative leaders who choose and actively go very different ways. Let's just not forget one thing. No matter how different the ways are, the big goal is one and the same. See you very soon in the next episode.